Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. And today's episode is about harm reduction. And harm reduction is another is a technique that we use in the recovery community. Um, and this may be helpful for the members of the Sober is Dope community that are still active in their addiction. There's a lot of people that still use. There's a lot of people that's still figuring it out, still drink, still use their drug of choice. And they may be sober curious, so they may, you know, use the podcast for inspiration. And that's why we made the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's for everyone, especially for someone that's still struggling. That's the person that I really, really hope gets the message. Um, In addition to everyone else that are in their recovery, you know, you guys are very important. So understanding harm reduction and all the techniques allotted to us um, is very important for our overall health and recovery. Let's take a look at um, harm reduction Harm reduction includes policies, programs, and practices that aim to keep people safe and minimize death, disease, and injury from high-risk behavior, especially psychoactive substance use. Harm reduction recognizes that the high-risk behavior may continue despite the risk. Um, yeah, this is extremely important. And um, I know for in my own experience, um, I could have used a, a lot of harm reduction. And I wish I knew about this because in my own case with drinking, um, little things like maybe not drinking in the morning could have made a big difference for me. Maybe, um, <clears throat> you know, having some type of predictable schedule maybe trying to minimize a cutback, it would have helped me out a lot. I think in the end, I took a lot of damage to my body. I got a lot of scars, got into a lot of fights, unnecessary things in relationship to my addiction. So I could see from a personal level how harm reduction um, is a valid technique and it can help a lot of people. Um, And I even think I remember when harm reduction really Surface. I think it was back in 1993 and 94. I think it was around the time where they had, I think, a coalition of people who was, it was a program for needle exchanges, I think. Um, and I think, um, if I remember correctly, I remember back then, I was young, but <clears throat> I remember in New York, it was a lot of clinics and places popping up and outreach programs where they were promoting giving people clean needles. Uh, where you could get clean needles, because that was a thing. For, it was a lot of AIDS being spread from sharing and needles and infectious diseases, and I think it was just a health crisis. And harm. This was the beginning of harm reduction. It was like, well, people are going to use anyway. We might as well help them reduce um, the risk as much as possible, because you know it's all love. If we can help someone. And a little bit get through the day and not die or overdose or get sick, then maybe they could get to the finish line and find their total recovery. So harm reduction is something I want to look at today. Um, A few things about harm reduction. Um, You know, harm reduction and substance use is applicable to cocaine, heroin, marijuana, meth, ecstasy, MDMA, hallucinogens, opioids prescription drugs it doesn't matter um it applies across the board um 
some quick tips for reducing harm. You know, buy less so you use less. Set a time limit before you start. Eat a meal before you start and avoid snacking on salty foods, especially if you're drinking. Um, Lower your dosage and frequency. Choose the less harmful method of use. Um, And plan out some drug-free days. So this is the general tips on things that can reduce harm um, as far as drug use and substance use disorders concerned. Harm reduction neither excludes nor presumes the long-term treatment goal of, of abstinence. In some cases, reduction of level of use may be one of the most effective forms of harm reduction. In others, alteration to the mode of use may be more effective. So ladies and gentlemen, here we have it where some cases, harm reduction is a better long-term treatment than absolute abstinence for some people some people may not be able to and in in my experience i think abstinence should be the long-term goal especially as an alcoholic so just to clarify i'm on the fence of abstinence but for the people who can't quite get there i think the second best thing is harm reduction um some benefits of harm reduction blood and bone infections or infections that spread throughout the bone you know, we can minimize that. Death, dental problems from stimulant use, skin problems from injection or malnutrition, hepatitis B or C, injection-related injuries, overdose, other drug-related injuries and diseases, um, cirrhosis of the liver, things like that. Um, so harm reduction is a form of prevention. It helps kind of minimize the impact of drugs. Um Opposed to just being a free for all. If it kind of you could kind of slow down the damage, it could buy us time. I think it's all about buying time. Um, the goal of harm reduction. Harm reduction refers to policies and programs and practices that aim to minimize the negative health, social, legal impacts associated with drug use, drug policies, and drug laws. Um, drug and alcohol abstinence has been long heralded as the best and most effective way to defeat addiction even dating back centuries before addiction were treated as a medical conditions the traditional way to break drug or alcohol dependencies were through abstinence so i again still on the side of abstinence i don't think i would have got gotten this far without total abstinence from alcohol um, so this is not necessarily a replacement for abstinence. This is kind of like, I think, a technique that could help people get to abstinence. Like, I mean, for real, even with detox, detox is like a form of harm reduction. It's like it stops you in your tracks. It slows you down long enough to think clearly again, right? The likelihood that someone gets out of a detox clinic and go back to, and use are high, but also, the, the, the probability of a person getting out of detox and wanting to seek long-term treatment also goes up. So you can see how any form of inter- intervention is really good. Harm reduction in alcohol. Harm reduction is a practical approach to prevent alcohol-related harm. And evidence is mounting that is more effective than traditional abstinence-only approaches to prevention. Um, 
Okay, let's unpack that a little. As far as alcohol is concerned, you know, that's my drug of choice. I think what they're saying here is that evidence is mounting that is more effective than traditional abstinence-only approaches to prevention. So they're probably talking about things like 12 steps and um, other modalities that may promote 100% abstinence, right? I think what they're saying here is that may scare some people away. Just initially getting someone into the door, harm reduction may help, you know, um, soften them up, so to say. Um, Because I think when people try to wrap their head around absolutely never using again too early, it scares them away. It's like they can't see that far. So sometimes it's good to just say, well, how about we cut back? How about we cut down a little bit? And as we, as the person taper off and they become more dependent on their own will and their own devices and less on the drug of choice, the more they're going to see the potential and understand the potential of long-term and permanent abstinence. So I think that for most people to get them in the door, so to say, you might have to use something like harm reduction or something that's just not so absolute like abstinence. For me, I got to a point of rock bottom and just total disgust where I said, I want or I want out. I'm out. I want out the game. I have I want nothing to do with alcohol. I hate this. I have to conquer this thing. So, you know, it is what it is. It's methadone uh, harm is methadone harm reduction. For chronic heroin users living under prohibition, methadone represents the most effective means known of reducing risk. It reduces risk of death due to overdose, disease, or violence. Methadone itself is a tool of harm reduction. The system that controls methadone is a system of harm reduction. All right. So, for example, a classic case of what harm reduction is when when I was in um rehab, we had different floors, right? So. You had the methadone floor where you have everyone come in and give them these little cups with this pink syrup. I used to always say it looked like Pepto-Bismol. And then guys used to play, they used to say, man, you that ain't no damn Pepto-Bismol, young blood. You need to go back upstairs. Don't play around out here because it's a serious business. Because I was on the floor for alcohol uh, rehab. But when I saw, then I would see, you know, these groups of people and they will come in and they need it every day. They would really be fighting. It was religious. They had to get their methadone treatments. So that's when I started to understand like, wow, man, there's so many different agencies and places that's really doing the hard work to help people. Um, just the fact that they had, you know, it's when you read it, it's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, I live this. You know, I live with these people. You know, I'm one of, I'm one with them. You know, but my drug of choice was alcohol. But I live with heroin addicts. I live with crack addicts. I live with um, cocaine addicts. I live with every type of person you could think of. My rehab was long. It was a whole year. I lived in a sober house where it didn't discriminate. It wasn't. Everyone was allowed in. So I would be sleeping on the bunk bed. One, I would sleep on top of a bunk bed. On the bottom, it could be someone who's suffering from heroin and going through it. Across from me could be someone that was dealing with crack. And the, and the other kid would be dealing with marijuana and alcohol. I was there for alcohol. 
And you know, you will see everyone. You will see how they'll relapse. You will see what they, how they will fight. You will see who was successful, who weren't successful. It was in different age groups. It was no one. It was no discrimination. It was so wide. You know, I one day I could be in a room with an 89 year old guy who's in there for you know suffering from you know heroin or something, and the next day it could be a 14 year old kid. It just didn't matter really. Um, it was just like recovery is recovery. So I have a lot of respect for reading this and seeing this because at the time I didn't know about harm reduction. I didn't know that methadone and those all of my friends who was, you know, they used to get up in the morning, they'll all travel together and then you'll see them take the methadone and then they'll, you know, they'll pass out, they'll go to sleep, they'll get a little tired, they have to rest. Um, and, you know, they needed that. So that's really deep. Um, harm reduction therapy is a program in which a client and therapist work together to identify the most pressing issues to reduce the harm that is being done, establishing goals and implementing gradual realistic steps to achieve them. Um, going back to that, um, the clean needle program, a needle and syringe program or NSP syringe exchange program or needle exchange program is a social service that allows injecting drug users to obtain hypodermic needles and um, and associated paraphernalia at little or no cost. So this is an extreme case of harm reduction. Um, I don't have too much expertise here, but again, in different countries and different parts of the world, they all have different levels of harm reduction. Um, Old people need help, man. So you can't really knock them for their level of treatment. You got to meet people kind of where they're at. And I think that brings us to our next point. The purpose of this episode is kind of to break the stigma of harm reduction and to take a bigger look at opioid use and what everyone has to go through. So I have a clip from our friends from SAMHSA that we're going to play and it's going to talk a little bit about this. All right. Because I think this is a um, one I'm doing this episode for anyone that's in active recovery that may be going too deep in the off the deep end. Maybe this is helpful for you. Maybe you could use this and say to yourself, you know what? I didn't know about harm reduction. And now I'm going to go look up, look for some harm reduction therapy, kind of to help taper you off and get you into a better state to where you could identify or really entertain the idea of long term abstinence from your drug of choice. Right. Um, so we have this thing, uh, our long-term goal is abstinence. So let's look at what the abstinence treatment is defined as this approach, which is based on a disease model of addiction, assumes that people with substance use disorders are always at risk of a relapse and that the safest way to prevent a relapse is to avoid substance use entirely. So that's my case. That's most of our cases. We know, look, we're addicts for the rest of our lives. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are. Because if we use, we'll relapse and then our lives will become problematic or unmanageable. We may be re-addicted again, right? Really fast. So, you know, picking up an addiction is not a, for something we want to play with, right? So abstinence and long-term abstinence is important to avoid 
by avoiding our drug of choice entirely. And I and I definitely that's the goal of what we're doing here. And I think that there's levels to this. So I'm gonna do an episode down the line. We look at all the different stages of treatment leading up to potential abstinence, right? Because I think it takes a lot of time. For me, it took over 10 years of in and out of treatment, go rock bottom, getting into different things, being humiliated being sick and tired of being sick and tired and all of the things you could think of before I was actually in a mental space ready to totally entertain 100% abstinence, right? So it is a process. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop there. Um, That's just my overview. I did my research. Um, I try to do as much research as possible on a topic, but I want to cut to a message from um, our sponsor. Then we're going to go into the segment which is a short segment it's about three minutes but it's good because it's it gives us a professional perspective of harm reduction and relationship to drug use all right ladies and gentlemen i love you all hope you enjoy catch you on the other side For the past 27 years, we have uh, operated uh, what we call harm reduction outreach, and that is we, uh, our philosophy is simply to assist any positive change as a person defines it for him or herself. So instead of having chaotic, out-of-control uh, um, addiction on the one hand and abstinence on the other and saying these are the only two choices, we've said there's a huge productive uh, middle ground, uh, any positive change, and uh, any improvement. So we try to operationalize uh, any positive change. Uh, You would define it for yourself, I would define it for myself, and then we as an organization would provide the most cost-effective and scientifically proven means to accomplish those things. But the choice is yours, both to what and intensity. So for almost 40 years, I've been an addictions counselor, and the focus has been on on struggling between those two poles, chaotic, out-of-control addiction and abstinence. And the idea was to to migrate people who are chaotic and out-of-control in their drug use to people who are abstinent. That is the traditional model of addiction treatment. Unfortunately, it's inconsistent with human behavior, human condition, and there's a huge fertile field between the two that would be called improvements. In other words, um, using in a way that does, uh, separating drinking and driving, for example. Hugely successful public health intervention. It's not that we stop drinking. It's not that we stop driving. It's that we began to develop mechanisms for separating the two. You see the most on, on uh, New Year's. Uh, things like this where, you know, where or there's a designated driver or cabs or, or, or CTA or, or the, the trains are offering free rides and so forth. We realize there's a danger to that, and so we separate the two. It's not that we're prohibiting one or the other. We could, but we don't because we know it wouldn't work. And that's basically all harm reduction says, is public health is the most important thing. The health of your children, the health of my children, the health of the community that has to be first. We have to put in the background moralism, uh, condemnation, 
uh, one's perception of how one should be. And so what we're talking about for the first time is affirming and even rejoicing in improvement, not perfection, improvement. And humans are really good at improvement. We are not so good at perfection. When we train housing providers and other providers on harm reduction, three things that we like to get across. Um, one is from Pat Denning, who wrote, was a co-writer of Practicing Harm Reduction Psychotherapy. It's a great book. And she um, talks about um, substance users, and she says, you know, people with substance use disorders are people with problems, not problem people. Um, and I think that that's a really nice, concise statement that gets at the stigma that's associated with people with substance use disorders, you know, that they're difficult to work with, uh, that they're liars, I often hear that, um, you know, that you can't trust what they're saying, that they don't care about themselves or anybody else, they, you know, they're thieves, they're this or that. Um, people don't want to work with them, you know, they've been volleyed between mental health and substance use systems for a long time. Um, so we really try to humanize substance users and help people understand that, that like any other disorder. You know, these are human beings, um, really creative, resourceful human beings that have some problems, um, not problem people. Another thing that we try and get across is that people who use drugs make healthy decisions all the time. They can and do make choices about their health um, that are, that are pro-healthy, that are pro-social decisions as well. You know, they take care of one another, particularly opioid users, um, really take good care of one another. For example, you know, when somebody um, is dope sick and doesn't have access to um, the substance to, to get right, um, people often share what they do have. You know, people take good care of one another. And so recognizing that um, and understanding that and affirming that in people when uh, people are working with folks with substance use disorders, that's something that we try and get across. And then finally, that there's a lot that you can do to help people short of total radical abstinence. So uh, something I often hear from people is, you know, if they're not ready to stop using drugs, there's just not much we can do. Um, so we do a substance use management training to help people understand the biopsychosocial phenomenon of drug use. So it's not just about the drug, right? It's not the presence or absence of this drug use, but there's the biological piece, there's the psychological piece, and then there's the social aspect. And people can make really tiny, subtle changes in each of these areas that can have huge impacts on their quality of life. And I, I find that it's really heartening for people engaged in this work because people tend to get disheartened. They tend to... Um, you know, feel at a loss with some folks and like there isn't anything they can do and it, it feels good to know, oh, there there is actually a lot I can do with this person even when they're engaged in, in pretty significantly chaotic substance use patterns. We can help them unpack that. We can help them figure out little things they can do like using a clean needle every time, like making sure somebody else is with them when they use, um, like going to the doctor on a regular basis, treating their abscesses, preventing their abscesses, so on and so forth. There's many tiny incremental changes that people can engage in. 